Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a You don't have to get a badge, Attaccare! Welcome to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick DeBano and Josh Parrish again to bring you through all the action from the continent. A big weekend, a lot to get through. The title race in Serie A, as usual, <laughs> it feels like it's a broken record. We could just copy and paste the same mm. intro. It continues to excite. We have a bit of, I don't want to say it's an entirely, the title race has reawoken in Spain and Germany, but we have a slimmer of hope that potentially... Real Madrid and Bayern Munich may not. They may not have won it just yet. They both dropped points mm. over the weekend, so there's a lot to get into there. But the big one is, in about 13 minutes' time, we're going to be joined by Max Rushton from Stan Sport and The Guardian. Looking forward to get his thoughts ahead of the UEFA Champions League and Europa League and, yes, the Conference League, all returning this week. Uh, knockout football is back. Can't wait for it and can't wait to chat to Max. Um Really excited just to have him on the show. I mean, it's a mm. big get. Good stuff, Josh, man. Oh, look. I mean, Max Rushton has spoke positively of my work before. Yes, uh, no. yes. When yes. you write flattering long-form pieces about their coverage, sometimes yeah. they mention you. So I've sucked up enough to get a mention. Well, you got a better mention than Joey Lynch did, who got called the Australian man. And Joey <laughs> writes for the same publication <laughs> that Max Rushton does. You actually got, for, yeah. you got a proper name drop. By oh, Barry Glendenny. I did. And Joey got just called the Australian man. Well, you know, <laughs> in the power rankings, I, I think I'm up. <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited to have Max on. Honestly, I'm not just saying this because he's our guest. That combo with Bozza, Foz and Max on Champions League midweeks, I know some people have balked at the Stansport prices and saying it's just the Champions mm. League, you know, I'm not going to get it. You're missing out, to be honest. Yeah. That coverage is top notch, especially with they have the Zoom guests, uh, which are all Max's Football Weekly chums who are all prestige blue chip European yeah. football writers. It's a great dynamic. It's a lot of fun. I think they strike the balance between analysis and, and, and you know, messing around with Mark Bosnich. Uh, and it's it's good, it's good to watch. And also they're in the very capable hands of a certain Nick Stoll who does all the work behind the scenes. I'd like to get Max's thoughts on how the dynamic is with the Stoll man, how, how, what, what the go is there, but also like how he goes in terms of controlling the Foz and Boz dynamic because it's like two it's two opposite ends of the spectrum and you got to bring them you got to level that out you know yeah well I, I wonder I mean honestly you, you cannot hope to rein Mark Bosnich in on yeah. live TV set so embrace the chaos well speaking of the football we had this weekend Nick there's a phrase in Spain and they often use it in the sports publications the newspapers mm. marker sport when suddenly the title race is back on it's I Liga. Which yeah. means we have league. Yes. Do we have league? In La Liga? Well, in Europe generally. In Europe, yeah, 100%. I mean, if we're going to start off, we'll rattle through all these. We'll go into de- depth with them all a little bit later in the show. But let's start off in Italy because we had two massive games in terms of ramifications. For not, only, not only the title race, but also in terms of the top four race as well. Inter and Napoli played on Sunday morning. That ended as a one-all draw. Inter, perhaps lucky to pinch a point in that one. Napoli... 
Should have won that game. Sammy Handanovic wound back the clock, made some big saves late in the contest after Jekko equalised. Um, and as a result, Milan smelt blood. They got a 1-0 win over Sampdoria last night. Rafael Liao doing Rafael Liao things, getting on the end of a, a Mike Magnon goal kick, getting the ball one-on-one with the defender. And when you're trapped on an island with Rafael Liao, you know you're in for a tough time. And he got past him and scored. Milan go top of the league, and then this morning, Atalanta and Juve in the battle for fourth at the moment, ending as a one-all draw. Danilo in the 92nd minute, cancelling out Malinovsky's would-be winner. So it means that race for fourth is well and truly alive, as is the title race. And it just, we all, the Serie A continues to find another level of excitement, and these next few weeks are just going to continue to build towards that crescendo. Well, I imagine you'd be a happy man today, very, Dubano, very happy. because not only have Milan gone top of the league, but uh, Ruslan Malinovsky's oh, yes. vanquished your nemesis in expected goals. Yes. Just, I mean, who cares about all this highly optimized, highly evolved Manchester City bull crap about yeah. squaring it across the six-yard box and getting a high percentage tap in? Just lay the free kick off from 35 yards and belt it into the top corner. It is absolute peak Ruslan Malinovsky. He has his own algorithm. <laughs> yeah. XG doesn't apply to him. No. It's it's ex Malinovsky, expected Malinovsky. And when he gets on the pitch, you're just expecting an absolute thunder bastard, to put it lightly. Mm. And that was a brilliant goal. And it's Is that shame. the best goal of his career? It's up there. It has to be up there. He's scored some crackers, though. But, but I think first in terms time of... on the angle, yeah. 35 metres out, knuckleball into the mm. top corner against Juventus. Yeah, that's a bloody good hit. That's <laughs> that, that that takes the cake. That it's takes a pity he wasn't yeah. the winner, to be honest, yeah. just for the sake of the goal and how people will remember it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a shame that, you know, at the end of the day, look, it's a shame in terms of for Atalanta as a, as a whole that they weren't able to go on and win that game because that would have put them in the driver's seat for at least fourth. And Juve have started to find a little bit of form. This morning, we spoke about the new front three. It didn't really pan out the way they were hoping for after the way it worked in the previous game, but coming up against a much better side. I thought in this sort of game, the way that Atalanta play, they usually leave themselves very open defensively that maybe Vlaovic, Dybala and Morata would have Mm. a field day, but it was the complete opposite. Vlaovic, not as effective. Atalanta... Absolutely dominating in XG as well in this game. Um, I think it was about 2.3 to about 0.9. So they really should have won this game quite convincingly. But Juve scraping a point, literally scraping a point right at the end in the most Juve way possible, uh, keeping themselves in fourth for now. But I tell you what, it's going to get so exciting over these next few weeks because this weekend really shaped it in terms of those two matchups. Mm. And as we said, you know, Milan taking advantage of it, playing against Sampdoria yesterday, having the lighter fixture. They just were like, all right, you know what? We just need to take care of business. And sometimes those games are the banana skin games. You know, everyone else drops points and you just need to beat the lowly side. No disrespect to Sampdoria. But teams, sometimes it's a bit of a banana skin. They tend to drop points, but Milan did what they had to do. They got the 1-0 win. Uh, Rafael Liao with that goal. And right now, as we head into next week, and now with Inter and Juve and Napoli and all these other teams starting to play in Europe, it's going to be interesting to see how that factors into the title race because Milan bombed right out. They're not even playing in the Europa League. They they literally, they're probably in the best position because they don't even have to worry about Europe now. It's like, whatever. Let these guys all sort that out. But we can go and Steve Bradbury our way to the title now. Well, it's classic Italian mentality that led to the drop-in coefficient points that Proved yes, semi-catastrophic. Oh, not really. Well, we've got four, 
four sp- slots still. Yeah, we, we had three for a while. Though. We did for a very long time, and they yeah. gave us. They just gifted us. One. Yeah, <laughs> no, they, I think they threw was, you a bone because yeah. they they knew it was only because the likes of Lazio and Roma and Napoli were not taking the Europa League yeah. seriously. And literally, it was like, right, let's just give them something, give them a bit of an incentive. But anyways, we'll talk about all the permutations a little bit later on and look ahead to the next few weeks because it's going to get. Quite, quite exciting mm. in Serie A, especially as we mentioned, once the Champions League kicks off again this week. Let's head over to Spain real quick. This morning, Barcelona 2, Espanyol 2 in the Catalan derby. It was um, a derby too. A couple of yeah. red cards in this one. It was uh, Three red cards. Pretty fiery at the end of the game. A real set to there with uh, involving PK, uh, Nico Malamed and uh, Ma- uh, Manu Molanes from yep. Espanyol. So two red cards for Espanyol, one for the man who is such a proud Catalan. Mm. Uh, you'd imagine uh, Lionheart Gerard Piquet would, would pipe up if, yeah. if something went down in this one. It's a really good game. Late equaliser for Luke who else? De Jong. But Luke De Jong, the much maligned Dutch beanpole yeah. uh, in the 96th minute uh, to secure a scarcely deserved point for Barcelona. They only mustered four shots on target for the entire game and scored two goals. But Adama Traore, I have to say, early days, he's proving me wrong. He's done all right. I didn't think he would fit into the Xavi mindset at all, but he actually provides a bit of a point of difference for Barcelona. And maybe given that the collective is not as functional as it should be and, you know, that midfield with Busquets and De Jong has never really found its way, having an individualist who can take on players and create something himself is actually a blessing for this team in the short term. Absolutely. And as we mentioned, who else but Luke De Jong to score the goal? I mean, <laughs> I when I saw De Jong... To hero. De Jong, well, when I saw De Jong got the equaliser, I just assumed it was Frankie. Like, I didn't think it was going to be uh, Luke. I, I totally forgot that Luke was still in their books. I thought it was like part of the package deal with Ronald Koeman. And then mm. once Koeman was gone, so was Luke De Jong. But hey, he took his opportunity off the bench and salvaged a, a quite an important point for them. Not a very Barcelona goal, was it? No, not at all. I mean, Adama Traore with the early cross yeah. and a towering header... Straight, I mean, straight from the Burnley training yard, straight I, I from think, Turf Moor. I, I think Johan Cruyff would be turning in his grave <laughs> if he saw that one. But, hey, they got a point. Yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how it goes in. That's the point they need at the end of the day. Looking at just in terms of the title race, Sevilla did defeat Alche 2-0. Uh, goals from Rafa Mir and Papu Gomez. Real Madrid dropping two points on the road against Villarreal. Madrid at the moment having a bit of problems up top. They have only scored once in their last three games in all competitions. Gareth Bale led the line against Villarreal on the weekend. I was stunned to see him He got brought out of, you know, basically out of purgatory and out of, you know, like he's been... The last highlight we saw of him was him laughing on the bench at Eden Hazard. And he was back... He wasn't able to inspire a win for them. Um, there's some concerning signs for Madrid without Karim Benzema. They haven't been able to find the back of the net. And really, to no surprise, and going into a game against PSG this week on the road in the Champions League, I don't know if this is the sort of goal-scoring form you want to be going into a game like that where you can expect mm. it will be high-scoring over the two legs. I mean, you have to wonder... Just how bad is Luka Jovic in training that he's not starting, not starting. ahead of Gareth Bale, the the guy who they can't get off their books? Is the yeah. only reason he's still there is because his wages are too too big. high, and no one wants to pay them. But as we mentioned, Luka Jovic did actually come off the mm. bench in this game. But this is going down even more and more. The poor guy that he's been there for that period of time, well, not really poor guy. It's just poor Madrid that they don't know what to do with him now because again, he's a similar one. They can't seem to get rid of him too because. Similar thing. He's on high wages. He ha- the move hasn't panned out from once he moved from Eintracht. And now Frankfurt. they need him. Yeah. Now and they need him to play well. Him. And you know he did well in a cameo off the bench. I thought 
uh, in the last match. Uh, he and Hazard, another player on the periphery at Madrid mm. who hasn't lived up to expectations, combined really well as soon as they came on. Uh, it was a lovely little exchange and, and Jovic missed the chance, but you know he got into a good position. I just think his confidence is totally shot. Absolutely. So they will need him this week. Uh, Karen Benzema, from all reports, is very unlikely to return for this uh, game against PSG. Yep. Of course, the redrawn Champions League uh, round yep. of 16 matches uh, coming up midweek, and uh, that's going to make things difficult for them. We're going to talk about that after the break with our next guest, Nick. Absolutely. We'll take a short break here on the Euro Show. Max Rushton from The Guardian and Stan Sport on the other side of this. Don't go anywhere. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a bad ditch. You don't have to get a bad ditch. Attaccare! Welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick DeBono and Josh Parrish here. We're back. Big weekend coming up, obviously, in Europe. You wait for Champions League. Action is back. And, of course, we're now joined by a very special guest from The Guardian, from Stan Sport FC. We're very privileged to be joined here by Max Rushton. Max, welcome. Do, do I sound like I've got a fan on? I don't know if it's if you can hear the fan. It's quite a hot country, this. And so... <laughs> I sort of blow air on myself whenever I can. This this room is not there's air conditioning in the kitchen, but Mrs. Rushton's in the kitchen, so I'm in the what we call the studio. It's a fancy name for just another room. But as long as you can't hear the fan, no, then we're, we're good to go. Okay, excellent. No, Happy. no, I'm very well. Thanks for having me. All good. Is this a heat wave for you, Max? <clears throat> this is this is just about acceptable. I think this is 29 today. There was some days where it was 20, it was 33, and really. That's not inhabitable for humans. And, I, and I, I really, I'm slightly confused as to why they built a city in a place that would get that hot. It seems, really, seems naive at best, doesn't it? So I'm, and it's funny, the grass is always greener. We're sitting there going, God, can we, just sw- can we just have one day of zero? Could we just have one in the middle of like six days of 33, just one of zero? And you can regulate the temperature with coats. But I know that when I try and complain to my friends back home, I'm saying it's 33 degrees today. You, you get short shrift. They are not. They, for some reason, you don't get any sympathy. I don't know why that is. Well, your life's turned upside down recently as your Twitter followers can't help but uh, remind you at every available opportunity. Max, tell us a little bit about the move to Australia, how it came about and why you chose this little footballing backwater to, to bring your talents to. <laughs> well, um, I foolishly married an Australian woman uh, uh, a few years ago and um, she kept banging on about how it was cold in England and how you know she missed her family and friends and all these things. And I was like, okay, well, I said, look, well, we'll move to Australia. If I can get a job, we'll move to Australia. And I kind of meant it, but I also knew that there's like probably two jobs I could do here, right? You know, I'm not like, it's not like there are a million. If I was a tradie, you know, that'd be fine. You know, we'd have been here about 10 years ago, but I'm not. Um, I'm completely incompetent at most things. So I sort of thought, well, look, we'll never get offered I'll never go. I could do the Premier League or the Champions League, right? There's sort of nothing else I could do. I can't really do the A League. Don't know the history. Too old to learn it. I can't just do sort of general sport because obviously AFL is so huge here. NRL is so huge in Sydney. I don't know anything about those sports at all. And football, you can't bluff football fans, right? You know, if 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 you don't know, they know you don't know, right? It's really really clear. And so. 
I, I've done, I've done, you know, I sort of years ago started doing stuff on SEN with Francis Leach and, you know, just little phone calls, you know, the football sound, a bit like these kind of things, right? People ring me up and say, can you just spout some rubbish and fill 10 minutes? I'd be like, fine, I'll do that. And, um, and then I started doing a bit of stuff for Fox and then I did some stuff for Optus and then just around the Euros when, um, you know, that company that didn't actually exist, it was just a man had bought the Champions League rights. <laughs> and everyone was like, <laughs> and then like, then I think UEFA said, can you give us some money, please? And he was like, oh, I'll bring it tomorrow or like the next day. Yeah, like, it's just, I've got it. Honestly, I'm good for it. And eventually they were like, this does not seem amazingly professional. Um, and then Stan got it. And I'd, I'd never heard of Stan. So and, just another uh, random man named Yeah, Stan, exactly. I mean, know. I really utterly convinced it was just Stan Lazaridis <laughs> saying, I love to Champions League. I'm going to buy it, and um, so. But then the the exec producer at Stan it, it does the rugby as well. Is Murray Shaw, who I've known for a long time, and I can't remember. I think I messaged him or he messaged me, and I sort of said, you know, sort of said we were loosely chatting about, you know, could I do like pitch side stuff? And so I I just sort of said, why don't I come over and do all of it? Thinking he'd go, ha, 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 no, because that's what normally happens when you try and get jobs in this industry, as I'm sure you're both aware. Um, and he went, all right. And then I was like, oh, d- oh no, I know actually this is actually could happen, <laughs> right? And then me and my, we'd been, wor- I'd been working pretty intensely. Really, I was very lucky in the pandemic that, you know, I actually got more work because most of my work in the UK was not delivering the live sport, it was, you know, filling the hours around it. And, um, so I was asked to do a lot more of that because they just needed people who <laughs> didn't mind if there were no games. Like, oh, we've got three hours. Can you just come up with something? So I've been working really hard and we just finished the Euros and we were doing a pod every night for The Guardian. And I'd, we sort of booked like a holiday just in Cornwall in the southwest of England. And I was like, we'd had our train ticket at eight o'clock train. And we we're just looking forward to this black coffee, sitting on the train, ready to just switch everything off, turn off social media, forget about football for two weeks, whatever. And that's sort of when the job of us came in. So like you're waking up every day with like another email going, what about this? What about this? And you're sort of stressed out going, do I want to move to the other side? Do we want to go? And my, my wife who found London really difficult place because when she first got there, because it's a big city, it's a lonely place. But, you know, by the end of nine years, you know, she's sort of, she's, she's a nice human being. So she had some friends and then she was like, ah, oh, do we want to go? And so we were really stressed about it. And then we were looking at what was happening with lockdown See, the UK had unlocked because it unlocks just all the time mm. when it perhaps shouldn't. And Australia was, you know, like basically if there was one case in Darwin, the whole country would lock down. And we were looking at that going, this doesn't, this seems like a really strange time to move to Australia. But then we were like, look, if we don't try this, if we don't give it a go, we'll never go. This was like, this is sort of now or never type thing. And I guess, you know, without wanting to sort of get too cliche about it, you've got two options on the table and one is more of an adventure than the other one, then you've kind of got to take the plunge. And and then and then it all happened incredibly quickly, sort of did the deal with Stan and they were amazing and showed a lot of faith in me. Um, and uh, then I sort of had a meeting like the next day with my employers back in the UK, so with The Guardian and with TalkSport and just said, I'm moving to Australia, can I keep on my work, please? And they both went, yeah, right. And that was amazing. I mean, that was before the pandemic, that would never have happened. I think viewers and listeners have got much more forgiving about those kind of things. And I think the technology is sort of quite extraordinary. The Guardian pod we'd been doing remotely anyway for two years because, and what we'd found with doing the pod remotely was, whereas previously, if you wanted to be on the pod or the panelists, we'd have to get them to central London for nine o'clock on a Monday or a 
Wednesday or Thursday. You know, and if we ever called Sid Lowe out in Spain, he'd be on like a terrible phone line or on mm. a train. And now we can just do, you know, an hour with, you know, Sid's in Madrid. Jonathan Wilson might be at AFCON in Cameroon. I'm in Australia. Barry's obviously just in his house in Brixton. Um, and like, and the quality, like the sound quality for the listeners is no different. And I think that's fascinating. The radio, I was convinced, you know, we'd fall off air after five minutes and they'd be like, no, that's not happening. But I've been really lucky again, like Channel 9 have helped me get studios and stuff. So I do Saturday night and Sunday night in Australia for Saturday morning, Sunday morning in the UK. And we don't lie about where I am. We're really honest. And I think that's a really important part of broadcasting mm-hmm. is you are honest about all parts of it. And But we don't make a big deal of it. So, you know, if it's pelting down with rain in Burnley and, you know, the, the game might be off, I don't go... God, I've had a long day at the beach today and it's a bit sunburned, you know, <laughs> but, but, but we don't lie about it. But I think, um, you know, I, and what I was really lucky with Stan was, or back to that honesty thing, was when, they, when we chatted to them, a problem that I found with the coverage of live sport a lot is, you know, if you've got the rights, you want to say this is the best football on earth. Now, you're lucky with the Champions League because it often is, but not every game is brilliant, right? Well, not every football match is brilliant. And I just said, look, I, I don't want to... I don't want to come off a bad game of football and pretend that it's been amazing because football fans can see through it. I'm convinced they can see through it. If I'm watching a Premier League game, that is rubbish. I know it's rubbish. And the same goes for, you know, and that doesn't bother me. I'm a Cambridge fan. I've watched a lot of rubbish football, trust me, you know. And so, and, and Stan were totally cool with that. I wanted, to, I wanted to be part of a team that feels like they're people you'd like to sit down and watch a game with at the same time as giving, a, you know, giving the, the right balance of entertainment and analysis right if it's not entertaining doesn't matter how good the analysis is people aren't interested Uh, but if it's not if you don't bring any analysis then what is the point (laughs) do you know what I mean like what are you doing you might as well just listen to your mate in the pub so that I was really keen on that they were great about that and 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 hopefully you know I know you wrote something nice Josh so that's nice you know that was that 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 was really (laughs) thank you for doing that um and um but like hopefully we get that right you know and and I've been lucky with getting all my mates, you know, from the pod who are, you know, know everything about football um, to, to come on and be part of it. And once again, but, you know, two years ago, you'd never got someone on a Zoom call on a live TV show. Mm. People have just said, this looks rubbish. But, you know, they, you know, it's great if you can turn to Lars or Andy Brassel or someone and just go, oh, look, tell us about Benfica's left back. And they know, and they're not just bluffing it. That's just such, that adds so much. And then what's really, what's great as well is, you know, me, Foz and Boz really get on, you know, and there's no guarantees that's going to happen. Like the, it feels to me like there's a really good chemistry. I would say that, but it really feels like that. Mm. And they've both been incredibly welcoming. Essentially, they were my chauffeurs because I was in Sydney for three months because of quarantine and, mm. and, um, and COVID. I couldn't, my wife came over to Melbourne, but I was in Sydney for three months. So I didn't really know anybody and I didn't have a car. So they just picked me up and we just go places, you know. That's well, nice to have two legendary socceroos just basically being your Uber drivers for yeah. three months. Well, talking about the dynamic, you're the middleman between, you know, you got the, the, the fun boz, you know, is always like almost as Josh described, tickle me Elmo laughing, you know, yeah. almost every few minutes. And you got Foz, who's almost the, the cool, calm, collected head. How do you balance that as a host? How, have you found that dynamic? I mean, actually, I think it's perfect, right? I don't think it actually takes that much balancing. It's not like... I think you. I think mm. what you don't want is people to be the same, right? And 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 you don't want 
um, you want people to bring different skills to the to the show, right? What I think is interesting is Foz has got a sense of humour and Boz is good at analysis. It's not like it's not like just one, you know, it's not like you've just got a comedian and a deadpan like <laughs> automaton, right? And so I guess your job is just to it's just to make it flow, right? It's to make it all be as seamless as possible. I'm not, you know, that I'm I, I don't mind things going wrong particularly, but it's just it's just what can you what what can you get out of both of them that perhaps you know and they're really good anyway like I, I mean i'm you know i like to think i'm playing an important role here but i i was amazed that they'd never worked together because they because they it feels like they've worked together and and i i mean like foz's analysis is brilliant and that touch screen when i first saw that i was a bit like oh god i've seen some boring touch screens you know just using it for the sake of using it like yeah. what are you why are you showing me that i know that yeah. and, and actually where he is brilliant is you know he's 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 watching the game and going right we'll take that cut from minute 16 that from 23 and that from 27 and that shows you why you know, i don't know liverpool are outnumbering them down the right hand side and so you're actually getting it like a 50 second or you know once you get to half time you're getting 2 minutes where perhaps as a fan, you hadn't necessarily spotted that. You can see that Salah is clear and maybe it's just because he's brilliant and that's the analysis, but actually you can get a bit more depth to that. And they're brilliant. And Boz has an energy like he, like, so, so we get in at, I don't know, I'm, we'll probably get in about five o'clock uh, on, on Wednesday morning. Um, and me and Foz will get in a little bit before him and then just, you can hear him from about a mile away, right? <laughs> you know, he's saying, he is like yelling hello to like everybody. I presume everybody on his way from his house to <laughs> to the studios, right? And, it, and that energy is totally infectious. And you really need that at, at, at like five in the morning. And what is also great is like the whole crew. So like the cameraman, the full managers, sound guys, all those guys and, and, and the production crew, they're all massive football fans there aren't huge opportunities to work on football in australia and so all those guys and they do a lot of the rugby stuff they love football they are really excited to be there they all want to be there so there's a real feeling like on set like when we get in like everyone's just sitting on that sofa just watching the watching the early kickoff if we're not if we're not doing that game then we're all just sitting there watching it and that's and that's great because if you've got a good feeling and I don't necessarily, you know, you've got to be lucky that there's just, you know, it, it, it's not up to anybody to lead that. It's a kind of organic thing without sort of trying to make TV sound too highfalutin and fancy. It's just a really nice atmosphere. And you don't always get that, you know, like, like, and you don't always get it forever. But like at the moment, it's great. And everyone gets along. And then you don't feel like you're working. And then you go to the canteen, have some peanut butter on toast. And it's nine o'clock in the morning and everyone's going to work and you're done. Have a nap. Happy days. I was going to ask, how have you adjusted to, you know, the kickoffs in the middle of the night? I mean, the Champions League mornings are one thing, but the Premier League uh, nightmare hour of, of, you know, 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Is, is something else. Yeah, I don't, I'm not getting up at 2 in the morning. You know, like if I've got a whole day. So so I've got You can to... just ask Wilson what happened, right? You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, he can tell, maybe he, maybe he didn't watch it, but I'll just believe him. It's interesting. In the UK, so... I would do Saturday morning radio. I'd go and play football all day. Um, and I'd go to the bar after the game. I'd go home. Me and my, you know, I might, me and my wife might go out for dinner or something. I might not see any of those Saturday live games in the UK. I'd get up on Sunday morning and watch match of the day. And my 
analysis or my chat about the games on the radio would be from watching the highlights mainly. And I'd probably watch, you know, I'd watch most of Super Sunday. So I guess the difference is now I'll still watch match of the day. Um, and, and that is, you know, that's key and it's a nice link to home and, um, you know, get my analysis from that. And if it's a really big, I don't mind just the early kickoff can be quite good, especially with the time difference, that Saturday night one. Mm. But I love sleep so much <laughs> that I just watch a lot of the highlights. And if it's a big game, I might get up at seven and not find out the scores and just watch that. You know, if it's a, you know, when Liverpool play City, I can't, it's in April the 9th or whatever. I probably won't get out of bed at three in the morning, but I'll just get up at seven and watch it as live and just turn off my phone. And I think that's, that's sort of acceptable. When when Cambridge played Newcastle in the FA Cup, I watched that live. Mm. That was my first kind of 3am, 3am kickoff, was it? Yeah, so I was up at, I can't remember, 2, 2 in the morning. Mm. And it was okay. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Like credits to, and that, I, I think what's interesting about that is quite often in the UK, I think we kind of, um, we kind of look down on, look down is perhaps not the right word, but we sort of view foreign fans in a slightly different way as if they're not as authentic as us and um and actually that's sort of not really fair you know if somebody is a massive Manchester United fan and they're getting out of bed at two in the morning every Saturday night Sunday morning that is a commitment that you know an armchair Manchester United fan who can watch pretty much every game at four in the afternoon doesn't have and I think you know that whole idea of um you know there are the biggest clubs in the Premier League you know the, the idea that tourists fill the stadium well you know if you're a fan in South Korea and you get your one chance to go to Anfield or the Emirates or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or whatever then like fair play to you for that and then I think so so I have a I have a newfound respect for the Australian football fans like Champions League is perfect right mm. I prefer that like get up watch it get on with your day I think that's great I've actually found the broadcasting for the UK in the evening more difficult than I've found getting up to do the Champions League. Like I'm always like, I've been a breakfast show person for years. And when I've done late shows, I've always been like, ah, oh, it feels a bit late. Why am I going to yeah. work now? It's 10 o'clock at night. Um, but like, again, if you try and complain to say, ah, oh, oh, I've got to go to work for two hours to talk about football. This is, <laughs> this is at 10 in the evening, at, at not that late an hour, you don't get a lot of sympathy. Yeah, well, I mean, with us here, whenever we're used to major tournaments, every single kickoff being two a.m., four a.m. Oh. in the in the dead of winter, you know, the Euros that just passed, you know, we're getting up at all sorts of hours, and for a I lot mean, of you're us, in Ligon and, Street. Well, yeah, yeah, well, myself being an Italian, uh, Max, you know, what, getting to Ligon Street at two a.m. in the morning just to line up yeah. to get inside a cafe to watch the final. I can't believe oh, we managed to bring up that game to an English. Of course, well, we, we had to. <laughs> we okay. had to. Here, That's but. okay. I, I, that, no, I, I, I forgive you. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't get. I wouldn't <laughs> queue for. A, I mean, I wouldn't queue for a cafe. I'd just about queue for a really nice cafe for brunch on a Sunday morning. But at two in the morning, I'm I'm watching that well, at home. Certainly not just watching England. No, no, but but Max <laughs> down down here, it was it was raucous. It was yeah, unbelievable. It was good. Yeah, I it, was, it great. was great. Um, but in terms of the Australian football public, I mean, you're quite a big presence on Twitter. You've sort of indoctrinated yourself into soccer Twitter. I don't know how much you've yeah. almost <laughs> introduced into it. What have your first impressions of the Australian football public been? I mean, what, what how do you see it? Well, I I, I was just doing SEN with Boz for a week uh, sort of doing summer cover on drive and we were sort of talking quite a lot about what I've seen is this kind of permanent existential crisis mm. for all. One thing, I, first thing I found is I think because what's different is in the UK, 
if you're a football fan, everything is provided for you, right? All the money's thrown at football. All the coverage is football. You know, if you're a rugby fan, you get nothing. Like, you know, so I, I'm a, I work on talk sports, but, you know, it is 99% football. It's talk football, really. And so what I get, what I feel from Australian soccer fans is a, like a kind of desperation and a real kind of, a real pride in being a football fan and a real desperation that you're getting a good you're getting a good deal like like that the coverage is good that things are good that that you know like you're proud and you you want everything to be good but i do think it kind of veers into existential crisis like i feel that about like whenever the socceroos play there's just some like oh this could this be the end and obviously you want to qualify for the world cup right socceroos qualifying for the world cup is the same existential crisis as england trying to win a trophy right we'll always qualify barring like you know every mm. 40 years we might not but our existential crisis will never win the thing and yours is will we qualify or not and i understand what a massive deal that is and how much it helps football in this country um but but what i've found with with the soccerers and with the a-league as well is in the a-league it's like constantly i'm just constantly asked how good it is how good is it compare it to a league for me like is this lower championship mid championship is it high league one what's this where would perth glory finish in the uh, you know the germany pyramid i'm not well you know a i'm working every time there's an a-league game on so i've not seen enough of it to have a sort of educated view on it but like i sometimes I don't know. I think I think what the A League needs is a hundred years of history, right? What you need is what what you have in the UK, which is your granddad or your grandmother took you or took your dad or your mom, and then they took mm. your kids, and it's building that. And I don't know how you I don't know how you fast track that, mm. you know, because I sort of think getting every time there's like a big announcement for a big player, you know, they're not that. that is that going to change? By all accounts, Del Piero made a big difference, and you know, he scored one free kick and people still talk about it. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so you sort of think that is such a quick fix and okay, they're going to help. That sort of helps. Right. If, if there are a few big names there, I don't know enough structurally. I find it really strange in all Australian sport that there isn't relegation. Like I find really? that so bizarre, but maybe there just aren't enough teams. And obviously once it's been set like that, well, you don't want to have relegation because no one wants to lose the money of playing the really big teams. Right. But that would reach, that would be a, a great thing for it. And almost just going like, this is our league. It's not the best league, but it's ours. So let's enjoy it. Now, look, if you're, you can't really, that's a weird marketing strategy. You know, if, if, if 10 who just got the rights had just gone, it's not any good, but it's ours. Like you can't put that on a tagline, but that almost would make you go, look, this is, no, that's what you want is you want people to love it for what it is. Like I love Cambridge United. That is not the best football in the world, but I love it because it's just what I was brought up with. And so I guess you just need, you need everybody to, you need people to want to go and want to engage with that. I don't, I mean, it's, I'm not the first person to ask this question. I've been fascinated by, I've played a few games in Sydney and a few games in Melbourne with expats and with Aussies. And, you know, when you talk about football afterwards, they've all got a Premier League team, a Serie A team, and few of them have got, not many have got an A-League team. And that's a Mm. kind of, that's kind of weird. But I feel there is a sort of, yeah, it's permanent existential crisis. Mm. That's what it feels like to me. Well, that's what happens when you've got a local league that's one TV deal away from, you know, literal bankruptcy at all times. So we're always, every time you turn on Channel 10, they're trying to tell you how good it is. And it does come across a little bit insincere when they were ones who were selling it. That's the key. Listen, I work for Nine, right? I I don't know how big rivals networks are, but I imagine, you know, it's, you know, 
I don't want to bad mouth another channel because like you just want it to be good. But like you say, you can't, um, you can't bluff. You can't BS football fans, right? Mm. Um, I don't think I've ever said BS out loud. But I would have <laughs> sworn, but I'm not sure. I know the rules on radio yeah. are slightly different. But anyway, you just can't do that. So if the game is rubbish, you've got to say that wasn't the best game. Now that's easier, granted, if you're talking about the Premier League or the Champions League, because you can feel confident that the next game is going to be great. Or even if it isn't great, it's Inter versus Liverpool. So, you know, it's still Inter versus Liverpool, right? But but I just think you need to be on it. You need to... Football fans... They they know, right? I mean, not all of them. I ran with t- on Twitter with quite a few of them about you know the laws of the game. But generally, you just can't. You just you can't. Sports fans know when a game is good or when it isn't. They just know. Well, speaking of teams that maybe uh, uh, weren't as good uh, in reality as they look on paper, Paris Saint Germain taking on Real Madrid on on Wednesday morning. How have you found the the messy transfer, the experiment? You've shown a lot of PSG games on stand as, as the feature match. Uh, where do you think it's going to come together or, or will it? I mean, it's an eternal question, isn't it? You you, um, you feel, I'm sort of quoting Lars Sivertson here, you know, that like the, the irony of Pochettino getting a massive club and, and you know, what he what Pochettino wants is to build youth and, you know, vitality and, and then just give him, you know, and high pressing and then giving him these three players that are clearly brilliant, but just are not going to do anything off the ball. But look, I mean, the, the point is you can never, and the beauty of the Champions League, I guess, is you could just never write any team off over two games, right? They they are obviously running away with Liga as they normally do. I mean, they, I know they didn't last year. Um, and they've shown glimpses, right? You know, they, they showed it at the weekend, what an injury time when Messi just jinked past a man and gave it to Mbappe. When you've got players who are that good, and Real Madrid aren't the Real Madrid, even though they're top of, of, of uh, La Liga, you know, they're not the Real Madrid that we kind of think they are, even though they've still got that midfield mm. three who are ageless. Oh, you know, look, I, I would expect... Would I expect Real Madrid to get through this game? I just don't know. I, I think it's really impossible to... It's impossible to call. You know, Real Madrid are like... You know, Gareth Bale playing his first game for... 300 years for them at the weekend. I mean, he looked pretty bright, didn't he? Because he's clearly a very talented player. But I, I think it's um, I think it's a fascinating game. You know, it's just one of those when it's drawn out of the hat, it's drawn out of the hat and you just think, this is fascinating because I haven't got a clue. I mean, mm. genuinely, genuinely think either team could win 4-0 or, you know, or it could be probably be tight and cagey and 1-1 or something like that in the first leg. But, you know, I, I, I find it weird, Messi not in a Barca shirt. I find it weird you know, reminding myself of the fixtures of the last 16 and Barca not even being in it. That was weird. I kept scrolling down. Where are, where are Barca? And they're sure they were just automatically going the draw. Um, I think it's a really, I'm really, when you get to the last 16, the, the draw gets great and it's a great game for us to start with, I think. What's the fixture you're most looking forward to, Max? There's some very, very interesting ones that come up over the next two weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in Inter Liverpool because... Um, and all my knowledge comes from just listening to what people tell me on the pod. So like, I could, I guess now I, now I know it, it's mine, but like, I think into, I think like I watched the, the, the Napoli or the highlights of the Napoli game. I mean, they could have got stuffed actually by, by Napoli at the weekend and Liverpool are on a really good run of form, you know, and Jota is playing brilliantly. Mane and Salah came straight back into the team. I think Luis Diaz is a really good signing. 
Uh, a few, like a month or two ago, people were sort of saying, actually, this Inter side are pretty good and Liverpool should watch them. But I I think Liverpool will have too much. But it's just a brilliant romantic fixture, that. Mm. And the two kits are great. You know, they're beautiful, yeah. a beautiful set of kits on a football pitch. That me- that means something to me. Just to, It'll just look great as well. And, and uh, like I hope, I hope Inter do themselves justice, you know. Like, I think from a, from a sort of viewership you know, for stand subscription, I need Liverpool and Manchester United to just get to the final. And then, you know, like, they'll all go, we've got a million subscribers, and I'll say it's all down to me. And it's actually just down to the fact that there are lots of Manchester United Liverpool fans here. But I'd be, I'm fascinated to see that game. But a lot that, look, the whole draw is interesting. And there aren't too many games that are absolutely nailed on, I don't think. Well, Nick won't like this, but I think this into Liverpool tie is a good barometer for uh, Serie A and the Premier League as mm, to which mm, league the reigns yeah. supreme. We'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. PSG Real Madrid coming up on Wednesday morning, Inter versus Liverpool on Thursday. The two headline fixtures. Max, we know you've got to go and uh, record Football Weekly, I think. So thank you so much for uh, well, I've got to have a, I've got to have a a, a, a bean stew first <laughs> with some roasted tomatoes. Uh, it's good to get some vegetables in. And then I've got to do football week. Just to give you, if you wanted a chronology of yeah. my day, I might go for a walk and have a game of Scrabble with Mrs. Rushton afterwards. Well, Sounds enjoy your bad. bean stew. Enjoy your game Thanks. of Scrabble and enjoy your podcast. Everyone can hear Thanks you on, on Guardian Football Weekly and see you on Stan Sport. Max Rushton, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. We'll go to a short break here on the Euro Show. And on the other side, we'll continue to cast our eye over these Champions League fixtures in midweek. I don't know. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get that stitch. You don't have to get that stitch. Attaccare! Attaccare! Welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Big thanks to Max Rushton, who joined us a little bit earlier. If you missed any of it, make sure you head over to our podcast platforms on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it might be. Catch up on it. A really riveting chat with Max about his journey down under, a little bit of his experiences so far at Stan, and all the rest. Um, Once again, big thanks to Max for coming on and uh, sharing his insights with us both, Josh. Yeah, it was good fun, wasn't it? Um, Max is one of the most genuine people in uh, in football media likely to meet. And uh, as we saw, he's the same person yeah. <laughs> in this setting as he is on air uh, with Guardian Football Weekly and uh, with Stan Sport. It's so much fun seeing him and Foz and Boz on yeah. a morning. I'm really looking forward to it coming back. It's been a long time, it's two so months. It's, it's yeah. always that big break between yeah. uh, the group stage and the round of 16 where you really start to miss it. Uh, because he is the highest level of football. Like I can get excited about league matches to a certain extent, but for me, in football, in terms of quality and excitement, nothing beats the Champions League knockout rounds. Josh, don't say it too loud because some certain owners out there will be like, hey, we can come up with a different league. It's called the Super League, uh, and we can have that every week. Well, see, that, that <laughs> wouldn't it wouldn't be special anymore Yeah, if, you know, you had it every week. That's I the know. problem. So, I uh, look, I... I I'm really looking forward to this PSG-Real Madrid game, mostly because of the redraw and because mm-hmm. of how angry it made Florentino Perez that they end up getting PSG instead of, uh, was it Benfica they got yeah. the first time? Uh, but also, it's going to be a difficult one without Karim Benzema. And all, and it also reminds me of the situation with uh, PSG and Barcelona a few years back when Neymar put on that virtuoso performance in the comeback and then end up signing for PSG yeah. that off-season. Mm. 
Kylian Mbappe is almost certain to join Real Madrid. It was only rumours with uh, with Neymar at the time. Now it's like it's, a, it's bang this on. Is, this is bang yeah. on. So does Mbappe play? How well does he play? You know, how, is his well, heart in it? Well, it's not like if Madrid go out, they're not, not going to be in the Champions League next year. Like, they're going to be there next season. I mean... I don't think like I think that he'd almost want to play better to try and you know maybe get a bit of extra bit of extra money and maybe a bit of a higher wage to come his way. We know it will be a free transfer because obviously he's out of contract. But you'd it's think, also an audition in front of the Bernabeu crowd. Yeah, like you don't I mean, want his flop. first leg is at home, but the yeah. away leg you don't want to flop. Leg. You don't want to flop. You no. want to play well, and they're, um, they're going to break the bank to sign this guy. Yeah. He's going to be on huge wages. So the Bernabeu crowd they're not easily impressed. Mm. No, they're not. To say and, the least. And they need goals, Real Madrid, right now. As we said, Karim Benzema out at the moment. Uh, they've turned to Gareth Bale. They've turned to, to a lesser extent, Luka Jovic. Uh, but this is easily, I think, the, the... I'm going to call this the NRI fixture of the week. It is the biggest game in terms of the two opponents. But it's probably not the best game, in my opinion. Mm. But it's one that I'll certainly be keeping my eye on on Wednesday morning because that one or Sporting versus Man City, that game in Portugal has all the hallmarks of a Man City thrashing. No disrespect to Sporting, but what Man City tend to do in these ones is, you know, kind of wipe the floor in the first leg and then come home and cruise. Um, so that will be another one to keep an eye on. But Thursday is what I'm most excited for, Josh, for obvious reasons. Inter versus Liverpool. Liverpool taking on both Milan teams in this campaign. Beat Milan twice in the group stage, but now coming up against Inter. Inter's last two games haven't been easy for them. A loss in the derby, a draw against Napoli. As we said a little bit earlier, they haven't. They they probably should have lost that game as well. Um, mm. At the San Siro, we know San Siro Knights of the Champions League are always exciting. Liverpool coming back there. This is going to be interesting because if Inter can get something from this going back to Anfield, it's going to make that second leg all the more exciting. And I wouldn't actually go and say just yet that Liverpool are a certainty to win this game. I think this is going to be a really, really tight contest. And I actually am going to go on a limb here and say I wouldn't be surprised if Inter wins the first leg. Inter have brought in a couple of players in January. Yep. Felipe Casido and Robin Gosens on loan from Atalanta. Well, Gosens won't play. He's still out injured. Right. Okay. So he's he's not available for this fixture. No, so no. Um, uh, Liverpool, on the other hand, Luis Diaz yeah. is, I believe, eligible. Yes. For, for this competition, came from Valencia. No, came from Porto. 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 Porto play in the championship. Yeah, they did. They were in the same group okay, as Liverpool. I guess. There you I go. think the rules have changed now, so I think they actually can play. But we might need to fact check that one. Yeah, we'll have to quickly get on the Googles and, and see yeah. uh, whether Luis Diaz is actually, actually eligible. Play. But in terms of this contest, it is going to be a, a really intriguing one to see how Inter bounce back um, over the weekend. Defensively, they were very open. They decided to, they played Di Marco in the back line. Um, they obviously had a couple outs. This is going to be a real test for them because we haven't seen Inter in a knockout stage of the Champions League for quite some time. We remember under Conte, last year they bombed out and that actually helped them win the Scudetto. This time around, you know, they're, 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 it seems like there's a bit more of a focus on the Champions League this year. Bastoni actually will be back. He was suspended for the weekend, which is a massive in. Uh, ahead of Di Marco, but I think Barella, with, Barella being suspended is a for big, big both out. legs. Yes. He's the engine. He is, and in terms of his replacement, if it's Arturo Vidal, I don't have the same faith in Vidal or Roberto Gagliardini to go head to head with the Liverpool blitzkrieg midfield that's just going to run all day because Barella is the guy that's going to, yes, run all day. Mm. Um, but I think the one thing Inter definitely going to have to address is whether they start Ivan Perisic at left wing back. Personally, I don't think he should start this game. They should probably go a little bit more defensive 
You could go with Darmian or go with Di Marco. Di Marco is a brilliant attacking left wing back. Um, Gossens would have been perfect, like absolutely perfect for this game at left wing back. But it's going to be interesting to see how Inzaghi goes and handles this fixture because we know what we're going to expect from Liverpool. Like we know what we're going to get from them. It's just a matter of whether Inter can combat that for 90 minutes. Yeah, look, I, I have to say Liverpool have to be favourites in this one. They're playing the second leg at home. You know, the first leg is going to be interesting to see what, what, what result we get. But I, I would imagine they will score an away mm. goal. And then it becomes very difficult for Inter going back to, yep. to Anfield. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing two of the best club sides in world football from two very different leagues tactically yeah. and technically come up against one another. I, I think this is fascinating to see. But just in terms of Inter missing a couple of players, in terms of the form um, that you know Mo Salah has been in, he's obviously coming back from AFCON with Mane as well. That's a massive in, massive boost for them. I just think Salah's going to be the difference maker. Mm, I think so too. And I think just having Inter that, don't having have that, that blue depth, chip attacking player. No, it's not Lukaku and Martinez coming at you anymore. You know, Ed Inject, I've got to say, I. Got to say, Njeko's been fantastic for him this year, but it's And he's still relying on service. Yeah. He's a good finisher. He gets into good positions. But, but you want somebody who yeah. can create something, some magic. And Salah has that, and I just don't think Inter have anyone comparable. There's just the uh, the way Inter, when I think about, you know, when Serie A teams come up against Liverpool, obviously I, my mind goes back to those two legs, those, those two, two fixtures in the group stage against Milan. Um, if Inter can weather the... What will be different at the Sun Ciro? Because obviously Inter will have the crowd behind them and there'll be that extra push. But if if Liverpool come out with that early storm and really push them and you know press them, and Inter can just weather that early push and stay in the contest, Liverpool have a tendency to open themselves up and they're going to have to take those moments. Um, but I'm just... You mentioned the Barella suspension. I think that for me worries me the most because mm. Vidal's not Arturo Vidal from his days at Juve. You know, Gagliardini's... Maybe you can wind back the clock for one game. No, nah, but in terms of just being able to keep up, that's the one thing because Barella can match them with the engine. Chalonoglu's not going to. Um, I am very intrigued to say Chalonoglu performs in this sort of game. But if they can get the ball into Jekyll, I mean, against... I think about Zlatan, how he played. and He obviously is a striker who relies heavily on service. He was anonymous in that second game. Um, but with Rebic, he was able to buzz around the defence and kind of cause headaches for that back four. I wonder if Martinez can do the same thing. It's going to be a very, very intriguing watch over the two legs. I do think Inter are more of a chance in this one, but if Liverpool get themselves an away goal, I think that's going to be all the difference. If they go back to Anfield, whether it's one all or 2-1 behind, they would bank back themselves in to go home and win quite convincingly at home. So it's going to be quite a, a fascinating watch on Thursday morning. The other Thursday fixture is Red Bull Salzburg against Bayern Munich. Uh, Salzburg hosting Bayern in that one. I think Bayern definitely going in as red-hot favourites for this one. Salzburg will be requiring a, a massive boil over if they, if they are to do it. They're well and truly ahead on top of the Austrian mm. Bundesliga. But I think against arguably the tournament favourites, it's going to be, I think, a bridge too far for Salzburg. Sort of the uh, Austrian little brother against the, yeah. the powerhouse of Germany. I just don't see it. Atletico Madrid versus Manchester United also on Thursday morning. That's next week, actually, because uh, it's split so, over two weeks. Yeah. yeah, but that game yeah. in advance is looking like a tasty one. We think of Atletico as the ultimate dour, defensive, mm. tough, uh, shithousery kind of squad, essentially. Yeah. And 
I'm not sure that's true anymore. They've been shipping goals like nobody's business. And they're, they're scoring. <laughs> yeah, they won 4-3 on the weekend. Yeah. You know, Diego Simeone has described sort of chaos defensively at the club and uh, the chopping and changing of lineups and the injuries and the suspensions mm. as the most difficult period he's ever had at Atletico. Yeah. And I wonder whether, you know, he's heading towards the exit door if this Champions League has, campaign doesn't do, go well. Has he passed his expiry date? Every good coach gets to that point where I, it's like... I think he might have, but by the same token, he has earned the right to decide when yeah, it's time. time to go. And I don't, don't think he's going to give on, up on it just yet. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing for me is that these two clubs have two players in the starting lineup that are arguably hindrances despite their goal return mm. in Cristiano Ronaldo and Luis Suarez. Neither of them do a shred of work defensively. Yeah. Suarez hasn't replicated his form from last year yeah. in the title-winning season. And I wonder whether they both start in this fixture. I think Ronaldo will definitely start, though. You'd imagine yeah. Champions League, big yeah. night for Ronaldo. He usually comes up in these these mm. games. Um, Suarez, I'm not so sure. I, I would like to see Mateus Cunha giving an, yeah. an extended run in the team. And, I'm, you know, if he's fit and available, I'm always in favour of João Felix playing. Yeah, absolutely. Those other three games next week, Chelsea host Lille, Villarreal against Juventus. That's another one, really, to keep your eye on. Uh, Juve now with all the new signings with Sakaria and Dilson Vlad. I don't think that's going to be a thriller. No, but it's not a It's going to be a chess match. Yeah. Unai Emery's got something up his sleeve. He's got some tactic that we have no idea what's going to be. He's drawn it up on the whiteboard. He's ready for that one. Juve, on the other hand... They're in some better form. It's going to be intriguing to see how that one plays out. And the final uh, the final contest, Benfica versus Ajax. And Ajax have been the – they've had the headlines for all the wrong reasons over the past couple of weeks. So yeah. I am going to be very intrigued to see how they bounce back after all the news with Mark Overmars. Um, we're not going to get into that because we've also run out of time. But it's going to be yeah. also just in terms of ex- external storyline to see how the players – can perform with all of that external noise going on in the background. Sporting versus Manchester City. I'm not sure if yeah. we mentioned it, but uh, coming up on Wednesday as well. Yeah. To be honest, that screams City, yeah. a City procession. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to be watching that game with PSG no. and Real Madrid on at the same time. Uh, you know, Sporting at home might do something. I would love it if they caused an upset, of course. It's always nice to see upsets in this competition. But... I just don't see them withholding the might of Manchester City in this form, playing this dominant brand of football. They don't, don't tend to give their opponents a sniff. Yeah. And for those who love their Europa League Friday morning, there actually are some very, very fun ties. Headlined by Barcelona versus Napoli, Friday morning at 4.45. Didn't we have that in the Champions League last we year? We did. Oh, maybe was two, the year seasons, before. two seasons but ago. But it's, it's yeah. not that long ago that we had that no. in the main competition and now it's, they're slipped the down. League, yeah. So we've got Dortmund against Rangers. That's also going to be a really fun fun tie there. Um, Zenit versus Real Betis. Sheriff, they're still alive. They're taking on Braga. RB Leipzig against Real Sociedad. FC Porto against Lazio. Atalanta against Olympiacos. And Sevilla against Dinamo Zagreb. So a lot of fun ties really over these few days. And uh, yes, for our Conference League listeners, we'll quickly give you the fixtures. Oh, no. Only because, yes, we have to give it the respect it deserves, which is just a quick run through the fixtures, not necessarily to go too deep into them. Uh, PSV against Maccabi Tel Aviv. We've got Fenerbahce up against Slavia Praga. We've got uh, Rapid Vienna against Vitesse. Michelin against Pauk. Leicester take on Randers. Marseille against Karabag. Celtic, they're playing Bodo Glimt. Um, so keep an eye on that for... Ange Postacoglu going for that first European trophy. 
and Sparta Prague. So we had Slavia Praha before. Now we've got Sparta Prague against Partizan Belgrade. Bodo Glimt, the... Uh, the Jens Petterhalger farm. The of, regen yes. team from Norway. Yes, they're a fun... T- hey, they spanked Roma in the, in the oh, last they, round. So. They, they spanked Roma so hard that Mourinho, like... Brought in Christian Volpato. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'll leave it there. Can't sum it up any better. That was ultimate humiliation. No, no, that's no disrespect to Christian Volpato. But yeah, he benched all the seniors. That basically sums it up. He took. He said, "We're not good enough to, Play the to kids. bring in the young players. It has to be going very badly yeah. for Jose Mourinho to do that." Aaron uh, Bills Michelin up against Pauk. Oh, not anymore. Is he? Uh, he's off he to Turkey. Oh, you're right. Yes, I completely forgot so his about that former one. Former team. Uh, so no. January Alan... moves. They they blindside me, Nick. But yes, uh, he's yeah, off he's to on. Turkey. It's on loan. He wasn't actually playing that much no. in the last couple of months. He fell out of Soccer's contention. Uh, so I think it's a good move for him and to he was try playing and playing as some... part of the midfield three at Michelin as well when he was getting minutes. It was very weird. Yeah, the Danes. They're trying to mm. innovate tactically and it doesn't always work yeah. out. <laughs> and all that action, uh, just to give a quick plug to our guest, Max Rushton, all on Stan Sport. And also tonight, if you want to continue your listening and you want to go home, Ange Postacoglu live on Stan Sport as well at 8 p.m. Mm. on Stan Sport FC with uh, Foz. Boz, I think Boz is back, and Vince Regari on that one. So that's also going to be a bit of a fun watch. But, Josh, it's time for us to wrap up tomorrow night. You're back, Oz Football Hour with Jason Goldsmith. Yes, indeed. And we should have some radio dub as well. Some, About uh, time. Some massive, massive scorelines in the dub over the weekend. 8-2 in one of the games. Which led to one of the great ratios of all time from Taylor Pelletieri. <laughs> and, uh, yes, yes, yeah, grandstand that ratio. You absolutely hate to see it. Yes. And um, on Wednesday as well, the Green Room should be making their return as well. And yeah, also... we've got some in-studio guests for the oh, Green Room wow. I won't spoil it. I'll let the club announce it first. Keep an eye on the socials. Uh, but uh, we might have a certain ambassador uh, who has a lot more radio experience than even you and I put together, Nick. So he's going to be coming in and showing us what's what. If if it's who I think it is, it's a very, very exciting get. And also we'll have the EPL show, Nick Hughes and Oscar Rutherford. Oscar Drew, Oscar Rutherford. Oscar Rutherford on the program straight after that. And obviously State of Our Football Nation back on on Thursday with yourself and George Zanikian. Missed any of this? Head over to Spotify. Head over to Apple. Leave a review. Leave a comment wherever you get them. Let us know what what you want us to talk about. You'll be back next Monday. I'm taking a bit of a sabbatical next Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm off, but I'll be back the following week. Enjoy the weekend in football, Josh. I'm going to enjoy the Champions League. I most cannot, cannot wait. But for all your listeners, enjoy your weekend in football as well, and we'll talk to you again next Monday. Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> You don't have to get out of that, did you? You don't have to get out of that, did you? Attaccare! Attaccare!